Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for listening to episode three. And if you've listened to the other episodes, we appreciate that too. Uh, me, Paul, and Alex are just really humbled by the love and support. And we wanted to start this episode off just by showing a little love and support to some of our friends in the podcasting community. Uh, first, if you've been listening to this show weekly, you've heard me talk about the PA Piledriver podcast. And I'm going to tell you again why you should check them out. Uh, not only do they drop the new episodes of PPW Unplugged each and every week, they have three awesome shows that circle around that as well. Uh, the first show being the PA Pile Driver Beyond. That's Curtis and Chris. They're sitting down and they're giving you a weekly overview of the world of wrestling outside of the WWE. Uh, so with weekly recaps, you know, from Ring of Honor and Impact and All Elite Wrestling, if it happens in Stamford, Connecticut, you're not going to find it on this podcast. But if it happens anywhere else, you're going to find it there. The second show is uh, a PA Pile Driver tomorrow. And this show recaps all of the NXT branded shows each and every week. And the entire team of hosts sit down and discuss what makes it a great show. Uh, but last and certainly not least, you guys should definitely check out the PA Pile Driver Alpha. Uh, that is Curtis, Brian, and Matt. Uh, they give you the scoop on Raw and SmackDown each week, as well as pay-per-views. And These guys have been going at it for over a year. They love your support. We'd love for you to support them. They support us, and they make this possible. So to find out more about the podcast, you can find them on Facebook. Just search for the PA Piledriver Podcast or on Instagram, the PA Piledriver Podcast. And they can be listened to on any of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's at uh, Anchor or Spotify or whatever it is you'll be able to find them. Also, not on the PA Piledriver podcast of families is our friends over at the Tornado Tag podcast. Uh, Tornado Tag is a wrestling show that comes out swinging from all corners and covers it all. You want every viewpoint you can imagine? <laughs> well, you'll get it from the Tornado Tag. They've got average fans and promoters, hardcore super fans, wrestlers themselves. Andy Hedder from PPW is on the panel every week, and our very own Alex Watt is there as well. Uh, they cover everything from WrestleMania main eventers to wrestlers who you might see in your hometown and, and all points in between. Brian and Tony have been doing a great job bringing this show to you each and every week. Give them a listen and you'll hear about the latest big events from every corner of wrestling's history. Check them out and give them a follow while you're at it. You can find them at Tornado Tag Podcast on all major podcast services and social media platforms. Both the Tornado Tag and PA Piledriver, they're our friends. They should be your friends, too. Give them a listen. And now, on to the show. And now, you found PPW Unplugged. Your source for what really went on at PPW. Behind the curtain and on the road. With your hosts, Scott, Phil Bravado, find out. The voice of PPW, Paul Poe, and PPW producer, Alex Watt. It's PPW Unplugged, and it starts now. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Scott Finout, Phil Bravado in some circles, and you are listening to the PPW Unplugged show, your source for everything that happens at PPW behind the scenes. And as always, I am joined by the voice of PPW, Mr. Paul Bow and PPW producer, Alex Watt. And guys, what have you guys been up to uh, since last show? Just getting ready for this one. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been up to everything, right? I mean, you've got, you're on 100 podcasts. That's, you know, just making my rounds, you know what I mean? <laughs> my goodness gracious. Paul, how have you been, man? 
I'm great, man. Hoops, hoops, and more basketball hoops. It's the best time of the year. It's March Madness in high school basketball. And did a game last night and got a game, got tonight off, but got a game tomorrow. And I got a big schedule coming up next week. Minimum of eight games, possibly maybe as many as 10 next week. So, jeez. Um, yeah. Busy guy. Well, well, I've been I've been good too, guys. Thanks for asking. Um, looking into buying a donkey. So uh, two of them actually. So uh, so um, I got a couple I can sell you. They're human. They have, yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but honestly, uh, guys, we uh, are covering the Showtime show this week. And before we do, I just wanted to thank uh, my friend Jason for the new open we have here this week. A killer job on that. I, I just guys, I tell the guy our names. I tell him what we're doing, and in a few days later, he comes up with something it's like magic um so i just wanted to acknowledge him thank you so much for that um and guys we're already into episode three here and this has been a whole lot of fun here for for both us uh reliving this stuff and fans who are kind of getting a, a little bit more knowledge as to what was happening and how we were presenting things but they weren't exactly aware of all the craziness that goes into putting a show together so i've been getting a lot of good feedback that way in that um you know, they're just learning a whole lot about how everything uh, comes together. Facade uh, putting up on Instagram uh, last week, telling us this is a great idea for a show. So we've got the workers thumbs up, too. So, I mean, you know, brother, you got to get that. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, we wanted to thank Curtis also um, and the guys over at the PA Pile Driver podcast for supporting us here and, and being the home of the release of this show. Uh, eventually, we're going to get around to putting them all up on our anchor page. But until then, um, we have uh, them over at Curtis's home uh, at the PA Pile Driver podcast. So I wanted to be uh, uh, appreciative of that. But guys, like I said, this week we're going to be discussing PPW Showtime. Our polls were completely tied between Showtime and Spotlight. I made an executive decision, and we're going with Showtime here. And if the polls ever come up again, Spotlight with Jimmy Hart, that will be a good one um, to to vote on. But fans, so, so basically, yeah. what you're saying is my my vote my my uh, thing was last. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was actually uh i think it i think it i think it probably received uh two votes i think or something close to that so it was you know i mean we didn't have a whole lot of poll interaction this week but you know as the show goes on i think that will that will definitely change um grab your poll man <laughs> <laughs> that's there see if we were doing t-shirts you know that would already be the first one but um but fans this week wanted to know about showtime it's going to take place guys on saturday august 18th 2018 at the hazelton YWCA, and this show will feature both Rosa Mendez and former NXT Tag Team Champion Simon Gotch, uh, of course, holding the NXT Tag Titles with Aiden English as the Vaude Villains. Alex, we're seeing PPW bring in two names here for show uh, Showtime, and this is a month before last week's show that we reviewed, uh, the fifth yeah. anniversary show, where we bring in all these other names. So PPW is really looking like, uh, you know, a good show, uh, even, even during that like a super show or an anniversary, just a normal quote unquote show. We're still bringing the firepower here. Yeah. I think at PPW, you can expect any given month to have uh, notable star power. I mean, even just the month before this, there was James storm and D'Lo Brown, yep, yep. you know? So there, there's a, there's always something to tickle the fans fancy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And Paul, you know, we're, we're running here in a smaller venue uh, with less capacity. We see PPW bringing in two names here. As I said, uh, it's a little bit unorthodox given the size of the venue here. Can you talk a little bit about the building capacity of the YWCA affecting our budget and maybe who we could afford to bring in here? Uh, it, YMCA. Oh, YWCA. I thought it was the YWCA. Same thing, same thing. It's a technicality, but we can call it both. It doesn't matter. Well, we want to be, be right. Were we in the WCA? 
were we in the WCA or the MCA part? Was that it's gym? the same part? It's the okay. same thing. It's just okay. I think I think on their business license it was YWCA. There was that was some legal thing. But anyway, okay. anyway, because that'll bother me. You know that. No, no, we want to be right. All right, well, let's talk about the building size. So, <laughs> <laughs> Huge. I mean, it's nice to run in a big building. You know that. Yes. Um, but sometimes your big building isn't available. So every year in August, and that was the August show, we usually would run at the YMCA. We touched about that a little last time. Um, but the YMCA seats about, uh, you could probably get 250 in there if you really cram it. So, so naturally, it's going to affect your show budget and who you could bring in because there's limited fans and limited fans buy limited seats and, you know, everything snowballs and it's all about dollars and cents to, uh, to make everything work, but it definitely affects it. But you know, the why the why had a good look. I mean, we had cameras up on scaffolding, you know, EJ set that up, which was a really, really, and it's a real cool venue, you know, that we had there. And it was just something different to give the fans, you know, than, uh, you know, I'm not much about moving the show. I like to be in one building, and we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. Yes, um, we will. But, it, you know, it definitely affects the budget of the show. I mean, this, I believe, was our third show at the YMCA. I know we did one with Rhino and Val Venus way back when. We did a benefit show for the Y with Chris Masters and Petey Williams. I'm not sure if that was after this or before this. My dates are running in my head, but I know this is the third time we ran at the Y. Well, just to set the stage here, uh, we're at, or, I'm sorry, just to set the stage of where we're at, if I can talk, the show prior to PPW Showtime is one of the others in our poll last week, which was PPW Shootout. Yeah, and dead the, last. The main event is going <laughs> to see Sean Carr defeat Evander James and James Storm in a triple threat match. D'Lo Brown's going to be in for the night, um, so he's going to be there. Our champions coming out of that show and coming into this one are Siler Andrews holding the television champion. Allie Rex will be your women's champion. Majestic Noah is going to win the No Limits title the month before at PPW Shootout uh, to become the new champion. The Punk Rock All-Stars are still holding the tags, and the PPW Heavyweight Championship is vacant due to Mike Orlando's injury that we covered last week. So, you know, and it's looking good here. We got uh, title holders everywhere except for the main one that matters. Uh, so, now, as I mentioned, that we're going into the YWC8 Hazleton, which is just a few blocks away from home base at, at the Holy Family Academy. But, Paul, that might as well be hours away when you factor in the extra things that need to be thought of when moving a wrestling show from one building to another. I mean, can you explain, can you try to explain in a few, a uh, couple minutes of what goes into all of that? Well, I mean, for, for moving it from one building to another, I mean, we're, we're talking about probably less than a mile the buildings were apart, but you got to get a U-Haul obviously, which that's a whole story for another day. Not very much of a fan of the U-Haul in Hazleton. Let's just put that lightly. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll go off on that on another day. Cause that could be 20 minutes of one of my tirades up there. <laughs> you know, you rent a U-Haul and then you got to get to the school to obviously move everything, which is across the gymnasium. And then you're moving it down to the YMCA. Well, you have to get everything in the truck and it's really tough to move. And we had to bring chairs because the YMCA didn't have enough chairs. So we had a little chairs up from Holy family on those broken carts, you know, that have been, you know, when the diving horse was a pony, they used those carts. I think they, they were even used in <laughs> civil war moving stuff. But anyway, <laughs> the wheels are broken. It, it's really tough to move that stuff. So you need a lot of help. Um, and then when the show's over, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to keep the ring that show at the YMCA because they were doing the floors over at Holy Family. So we were able to store the ring there, but you still got to get it back. So, 
and that's really the reason we're over at the gym is uh, is the floors over at the Holy Family every year, and and we covered that I think in episode one as well. So uh, I said that uh, Rosa Mendez is on the show, and she is. Uh, she had a child in 2016, and she retires a year later from the WWE, but she decides in 2018 to make a wrestling comeback, guys, and she does so, uh, but almost immediately ends up injuring herself. Uh, we at PPW actually knew it before the dirt sheets did. Uh, sometime before the show, she goes down with a torn ACL and meniscus. She posts on her Instagram, attention all mommy bloggers. I'm getting surgery September 4th. I tore my ACL and meniscus. I need advice on fun activities at home that don't require me to run around like I usually do with my daughter. Um, she has hashtags for activities for kid mommy advice. Of course, for those who don't know, Rosa owns her own business called Totally Fit Mama. It's a, it's a meal plan and workout plan for women. Um, and Alex, Rosa comes into PPW injured and every reason to be in a miserable mood, but she isn't. She's she's professional. She's approachable. Alex, we'll get into a deep dive of the PPW live show in the future episodes, but sure. you are working with her here uh, on, on our Facebook pre-show page. Uh, and talk a little bit about working with Rosa here. Yeah, well, uh, right off the bat, an absolute delight. Um, <clears throat> I believe this is probably one of your favorite episodes of PPW Live uh, due to my interaction with her. Yes. This was also the most chaotic episode of PPW Live <laughs> as we had interruptions from Paul Bo himself. No. Ryan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan <laughs> Race. Well, Paul Bo is the welcomed interruption, but we also had Ryan Race who wanted to shut the show down mm -hmm. and a few other wrestlers that uh, – you know, we, we were in a very uh, not-so-strategic place. But Paul Bo brings Rosa Mendez into the scene of PPW Live, and uh, I, I started to smell something uh, that really... Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to say it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> she, uh, Rosa Mendez let me know. Uh, I said, you know, she smelled nice, which is kind of weird on my part. But <laughs> she, she had let me know that, oh, well, she probably smells like Doritos, and I had well, I got to know what flavor is a cool rancher nacho. Uh, <laughs> she said nacho and I let her know in, in the least creepy possible way that she smelled delicious. I was there for that. And that was pretty creepy. So it wasn't <laughs> not creepy. Well, it was creepy. I, honestly, I, the interaction between you two was awesome right off the, right off the screen. Honestly. I mean, you guys just clicked immediately and it showed there in that episode. Yeah. We, I, I mean, you know, we, she's one of the only people that we've brought in aside from Simon Grimm, who was also there that, that night that uh, I've actually been able to keep in touch with since uh, we've booked them. Well, guys, PPW Showtime will be the 58th show in PPW history, and we're going to be in the YWCA like we talked about, but it's going to be for the very last time here as the YWCA, and you can quote, you can correct me here, Paul, if you want, because I'm not a local to Hazleton, I believe, closes shortly after. Um, I'm not again. I'm not privy to the politics in Hazleton or anything of that nature. Just confirmed to me that they did close, Paul. It is closed currently. Um, there were some financial issues with the YMCA. Um, it's closed. It's boarded up. Um, I heard from a couple people. They've had people that broke in, stole some copper there. Um, the swimming pool they trashed. Um, which really, really is depressing because that really, really was a nice building. It was a nice weight room. It was nice for I was a member there since I was in probably eighth grade. You know, really nice place, but it's boarded up now. I mean, some of the machines are still in the windows. And, you know, I see some, you see some talks once in a while in the paper about possibly reopening it. Um, but there is some legal ramifications they have to go through, I'm sure, you know, to, to get to get to that point. Um, but I mean, a super place. 
I mean, hopefully someday it, it, it would reopen. I mean, a nice basketball court, like I said, we had three shows there. It was nice, you know, nice venue there. And uh, just a lot of memories there and uh, wrestling and personal. Yeah, I was sad to see it go, you know. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Hopefully someday that uh, it'll be back, but, you know, not anytime soon. Well, safe to say right now it, it would probably be PPW's last show there, the, the YWC. And we go out with a bang, guys. We bring in two names there, so I'm not disappointed at that at all. We're going to start the matches uh, because there's a lot to go over. Um, and we're going to start with Clutch Adams and Siler Andrews. Your referee is Chris Bankos. And Clutch Adams and Siler Andrews are going to meet in the opening contest here at PPW Showtime. Adams and Andrews would work a match before a match Clutch would win at PPW Shadows of the Empire. If you want to go back in YouTube and watch that one from November of 2017, Clutch Adams comes down with Ryan Race to start the night off in the YWCA. We're going to start it off a little quiet, guys. A uh, smaller crowd than a typical PPW event, but it looks more full in the venue due to the, the, the small size of, of the actual building. Clutch tells our PPW cameras that, quote, tonight, he takes back what is his on the way to the ring. And, of course, guys, Clutch is talking about the PPW Television Championship. Siler Andrews winning that the month before a PPW shootout in, in a fatal four-way in a match involving Siler, Clutch, uh, John West, and British Wolf. And Siler Andrews comes down looking very happy to be here in this position with the title. Crowd happy is here, too, as you can hear multiple howls from both his music that's built in and also from the crowd itself. And, Alex, Siler Andrews here... With his first PPW title reign, how important is it for Siler Andrews to win this title and kind of establish himself? Kind of in, establish himself, my mm -hmm. goodness, as uh, as a wrestler here in PPW. Well, it's massively important. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Siler and Clutch have this long, dragged out battle, uh, including a situation where Sammy Pandora turned on on uh, Siler <clears throat> to join Undeniable. So this this has been a long fought battle, and it's incredibly important for Siler, who is a fan favorite, to represent the PBW fans as the WYLN TV champion. Well, the, the match starts with EJ calls a Pearl Harbor job as Clutch attacks Andrews from behind before the bell. Chris Banco's trying to get control of this match, and we as we wait, Paul Bow yells into the microphone something about how his chair isn't the highest or something. Uh, he isn't the loudest. Some diva thing about the equipment not working. I don't know. There's so many of these Paul Bo quotes that I could... He's here. I forgot. Um, but Paul, remind us that uh, this is also a qualifying match for the PPW heavyweight title uh, at the fifth anniversary show, as well as the PPW television championship match. And the match is controlled by Clutch Adams here in the ring, guys. Paul Bo on commentary as I try to get the Band-Aid piece of equipment that we had the night before. Paul will criticize me again. I don't, I don't hold any ill feelings. I don't about any of that, Paul. <sighs> the end of the match, we'll see Siler Andrews mount a nice comeback. He has Clutch in trouble, and that's when we see the emergence of John West. West will distract Bankos and, as Siler Andrews has Clutch Adams covered. West will get in the ring, and guys, Siler Andrews finds himself in the middle of Clutch Adams and John West, and West will lunge forward and try to connect with Andrews, only for Andrews to miss and have West connect with Clutch. So, Siler Andrews super kicks West to the outside of the ring, and we have a disqualification, guys. Since since John West missed Siler Andrews and connected with Clutch instead, that means Clutch will win, uh, will win as Siler is disqualified. And on his way out, Clutch is going to be selling the exhaustion by walking backwards in an awkward fashion. He'll lean against the guardrail, and completely bring the guardrails down. 
Paul, talk to me about the guardrails here. Where where did they come from? Why do they look? Let's just be honest. Why do they look so ghetto? <laughs> well, we went down to South Wyoming Street and we took those guardrails. Um, no, at, at this point, the rails we did not have our rails that we bought from Monster the PPW rails. We were borrowing rails from. Um, the Hazel Area School District. We were using their bike rack rails, the standard uh, silver rails that PPW had for five years that we used. They actually needed the rails for football. So they had them at Harmon Guy Stadium, which is only right down the road. But to move them, if anybody's ever picked, well, you wouldn't know, Phil, because you've never picked up anything. But oh, what? If you've ever picked up those rails, they're, they're sharp, they're heavy. Um, so I ask... Um, the CEO of Y, I said, hey, do you guys have guardrails there? She said, we have bike racks. And I said, well, can I look at them? <laughs> so they, we went down into the boiler room. That's where they were. And she's like, what do you think it is? And I'm like, how do they even set up? She's like, well, it's like a teepee. You cross them and you put a bar across. We use them for our marathon races, whatever it was called, run for the gold or whatever they had at the YMCA. And they hung banners on them and they just kind of used them, you know, so the runners knew where to, where to go. So I'm like, yeah, well, uh, they'll work. Um, I'm not you know, lugging these friggin' rails from Harmon Guy Stadium myself. So uh, we use them, and that's basically where they come from. They look like poop, and uh, they fell over, and, uh, yeah. So that's where the rails – rails are on me. You could blame me for that. I've been blamed for worse, especially today. Well, you know what? <laughs> to be to be honest with you, Paul, I mean, I don't I don't know when we're going to get a chance to talk about this again. So the, the rails that we have now uh, look really good. Where Where did we get those from? Monster ring and cages. That's where we got them from. Uh, they that, were special. That check should be in the mail, right? The plug. What's that? That check should be in the mail, right? The well, plug. That's the way the guy answers yeah, the yeah. phone. It's kind of <laughs> cool. get a real nice customer service guy. Yeah. And he answers the phone. He has such a deep southern accent. Monster ring and cages. That's the way he answers the phone. He sounds, <laughs> anybody who ever dealt with him, he sounds just like I think his name's Silas. Real, real, real nice guy. But he's real, real southern draw. Um, they actually made like Monster makes everything, um, you know, to order. Like they were made to order for us, so that's where we got them. You know, they were an investment, and you know, everybody. It's hard to find rails. It's hard to find crowd control, and not that they're going to deter anything, but it looks, it makes the presentation much more bigger. You know, it, it makes everything look look more professional. Is another word for it, but. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and, and not for nothing. I mean, a lot of fans uh, say to us every month, why can't you bring in this guy? And, and he's always the most expensive person that you could think. Well, John with these Cena. rails, yeah, exactly. With these rails, we paid these rails off in like a matter of like a year or something yep, over the 12 course. Months. Of like, and so this is an expense and this is not a $40 expense, guys. Now, we're not going to get into how much, but oh, I'll we're tell talking. You. I'll tell you $2,700. I'll tell you exactly how much Ooh, it was. And there we are. But I was saving it for you, Paul. I wasn't sure you were going to bring that one, but we can tell. We can tell. Um, that's and, right. and that's a lot of money that people don't think about when they're looking at, well, come on, it's just rails. Who cares? That's still money. So just to, just to go over that. Now, uh, to keep it rolling, Sammy Pandora, Miranda Vina, and Ryan Race somehow lands up in this match against Christina Marie, Ray Lynn, and Trish Adora. Referee is going to be Becky Phillips. And first, Becky Phillips here in PPW. Alex, what can you tell me about Becky Phillips? Uh, Becky Phillips is a wonderful referee. Uh, just shortly after coming to PPW, we were able to get to see her debut and work for a good amount of time at Ring of Honor Wrestling as well. 
I, I love Becky Phillips as well. She's a great person uh, behind the scenes and a great referee in it. So uh, I, I want to tell you about my first impressions, though, of Ray Lynn uh, and specifically her promo. In, in a word, awful. Okay. If, if there's one thing that drives me nuts about bringing in names to wrestle your local talent, it's, it's the entitlement of some of them. She gives an awful promo. She's standing outside of her apartment in Florida. Don't you tell me that that's not Florida because I would, I would be able to recognize that pseudo stucco wall anywhere. Then she doesn't even try to pronounce Miranda Vionette's name. I just, I just, I've always thought of it as lazy. It's not professional. I, I, I know I care way more about this than most people, but it's always something that's just absolutely driven me nuts. Paul, with Ray Lynn, uh, who is responsible for bringing her in? I blame Freddie. <laughs> Alex, we also see Trisha Dora here. Um, not sure we'll get to talk much about her. I sure. did like I did like Trisha Dora quite a bit. Could you tell me uh, a little bit about Trisha Dora? Sure, absolutely. Trisha Dora is uh, also known as the Afro Punk. Uh, you would see her in some great promotions like Fight Club Pro and uh, Generation Championship Wrestling. And even a few times on NXT. And she is also placed at number 173 on the PWI 500. Man, with the number. Look at this guy with his homework in early. Um, <laughs> good stuff there. Uh, now, Rosa, as we had put her over earlier, is, is really fun and easy to work with on this night. Um, she does commentary with you, Paul. Um, and... You know she's pretty good. It's it's fun. It's a fun it's a fun listen between both of you. It sounded like you had a good time. Uh, talk a little bit about calling a wrestling match there with with Rosa. Well, I mean she's only human. She couldn't keep her hands off me, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but um, no, seriously, she was Rosa's super super nice. And and like Alex said, like you know I, I've stayed in touch with her. I mean I, I tried to get her a couple other bookings. You know she when she was hurt and you know she wasn't doing some stuff. But you know she's a text message away. She gave her cell phone number freely. You know what I mean? And 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 she's always answered and responded. And uh, just you know. It was it was really nice. And uh, back when wrestling was WWE was at Reading at the was it the Geigel Complex or one of those places in Reading down there, um, down in Alex Watt territory. That's right. Um, so there was a WWE house show there, and I was working down there. And make a long story short, I stopped there. I didn't even know the, the, the house show was going to be like on the weekend. I picked up two tickets, and they happened to have front row tickets there. So, yeah, sure, I'll go. Me and Jonathan, my son, will go. So we went there and. Um, Rosa was managing the, the Matadors at that time, uh, Epico and Primo, mm -hmm. they, you know, the, they were called the Matadors and, uh, she was, uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't the Matadors. It was, it was, it was Epico. I don't know what their name was then. My, yeah, I, I, it escapes me as well for some yeah, reason. Yeah. It wasn't the matter. The Matadors were after Rosa, I believe, but anyway, it was Epico and Primo. That's what she was managing. And she was walking around ringside and I have a picture of this on my phone. I'll have to try to get it to you. Um, Phil to put on the thing. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Rosa Jonathan was was just heckling her. I mean, he was probably <laughs> ten years old, maybe eleven years old. He was tormenting her, and she came right into his face and she said, "Sit down, you little punk," or something like that. She said to him, and uh, you know, he sat right down because she kind of scared him. You know, <laughs> so when Rosa came and I, I told her the story and she was laughing and she said, "Well, how old is Jonathan now?" At that time, he was seventeen or you know whatever. 
And <laughs> she cut a promo in the locker room, which I still have, saying, you know, hey, Jonathan, I'm sorry when you were a young kid that I was nasty to you and all this and threw him a kiss and all this. And she cut a promo to him and, and I sent it to him. And it was just it was just kind of a funny story. You know what I mean? But he did have, we did have interaction with her even before PPW. <laughs> Well, that's a good example too. that story of just like, you know, you can bring in some people. Jimmy Hart's another name that comes right to mind that are just good people. You can tell they're good people outside of wrestling. Like they, yeah. the, the star hasn't hit them. You know what I mean? Maybe it has for everybody else, but for them, they're still that guy or girl that started out in this business. And I love when we see people like that come in. She, Rosa, is a classic example of definition of that. And, and that was really refreshing to me. Uh, somebody who doesn't extremely mark out for everyone that we bring in. Um, it was really cool to see that she was a really good person as well. Um, Miranda will start the match for her team and take on Raylan and Trisha Dora as they tag one another in and out. Rosa shows Paul Bower dislocated jaw on commentary from being the recipient of a kick to the face. Or uh, um, Rosa then asked Paul later if she's, uh, she's distracting him. Paul confirms she is. I can't argue with that though guys this match wasn't my favorite on the card rosa mendez's work on commentary and paul helping um her with it uh she wasn't mailing it in at all uh, even on commentary um it's something that saves this match for me and and the end of the match we'll see ryan race in, in quite possibly the worst schoolboy known to man on trisha dora dora is sitting there for a 10 count as and abyss would be pissed and she ends up right by the ropes the spot's a mess but the point is ryan race has rolled up a dora and after spending literally no time in the match is the one who gets the pinfall guys thoughts on rosa's performance here on commentary we've already went over but her promo beforehand and just the overall match with ray lynn and trisha dora involved in this just putting more stock here uh guys into the uh into the women's division you want my opinion or you want alex's first here one You'll take mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, a train wreck. Um, the match was a disaster. Um, it did not come off like it was supposed to. Ryan Race's schoolboy at the end, and I, I kind of hammered him for that. It was real bad. It was kind of put together at the last minute. I'm not going to lie to you. Everybody, nobody, it's not that nobody didn't try. They, the girls all tried very hard. It just didn't come off like it was supposed to come off. And so when you get six men or six women, in a match or a combination of five and one, whatever, you know, sometimes you get that unorganized feeling. I mean, you know, Ray Lynn, no one in PPW had worked with before. Nice girl, talented. I mean, she, she's wrestled for a lot of big promotions. Same with Trisha Dora. Um, Trisha was a lot just getting into the business that time. She wasn't around a lot. Um, if my memory serves me correct, Christina Marie didn't even get in the ring. Um, hey, very, very seldom. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I don't think she right. got in at all. I don't she think she got in at all. Right. Yep. It was yep. kind of the, the kind of match. It kind of went south. Um, you know, they 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 brought it home, and it is what it is. And like you said, you're, you're dealing with six people, and sometimes um, the chemistry isn't there. You know, unlike um, you know when you have two or three people that that work together all the time. It, it's it's it's. I I I could I could just not to even segue away from this. Montequila and Sebastian Cage have wrestled each other all over. And they told me this, like when we booked them at a future show, because I know this was Montequila's debut here. They've wrestled all over the place. So they, they, you know, they asked to be putting a match together, you know, in a future show when we talked about it and they wrestled them and you could just see how they're so familiar with each other. Just using that as an example, you know, this is independent wrestling. It's repetition. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the more you do something, the better off you get. And, this unfortunately just didn't cut it, you know, but 
six talented, well, five talented workers in Ryan Race, a talented manager. Yeah. Um, it was a big, as Ryan would say, disappointment, though, <laughs> as you, you know, to summarize it. Everyone worked hard, though, not criticizing anybody. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on the match? Yeah, uh, I have to agree with Paul. I, I, there's no shortage of talent in the match, but uh, again, due to uh, unpreparedness or some sort of, you know, unorganized situation, it kind of fell apart. Well, moving on, John West comes into this match, and before we get started with this, let me just clean something up from the first episode when you guys were saying that Wes would work Lucha and he could work Lucha. <laughs> you hear you hear me laugh hard. I was not laughing at John West's talent. And when I when I go back and listen to that episode, it really drives me nuts. So I, I want to take time to clear this up. I picture John West doing a Hurricane Rana. Now, that's not exactly what working Lucha means, but that is what I happen. I know John West can work any kind of style. I actually am a big fan of John West. And, I don't, uh, feel, don't feel bad because he doesn't like you either. So that's, well, that's, it, that's you know, he, he doesn't have to. But I just want to like make John sure West. that John West is a good friend of mine. I like John West. I, I'd like to just make sure that that's cleared up um, so that we're so that we can move on. But Johnny the Man Moran comes down, and and to my knowledge, he's debuting a jacket with the man stenciled on the back of it for the first time. And uh, I have a feeling you're going to tell me that this is something he's had for a while, but it's the first <laughs> time I've seen it. Okay, and and I thought it looked good. I thought it was a good look, Alex. The crowd getting behind Johnny Moran during this time period, and you're working with him doing interviews for the Man Minute as part of the PPW Live uh, yeah. experience. So talk to us a little bit about working with Johnny Moran then, and because later on we'll learn you're still working with him now. Uh, yes. What are some experiences with working with the man on PPW Live? Well, uh, I got to address first the vest. <laughs> Uh, he's had it forever. He's had it forever. Well, he's had a few different vests. Um, I, I, we'd come to find out that the Chris Jericho Fozzy, his band came to Lancaster. And before I came to PPW and before Johnny Moran and I knew each other, we were in the very same building at the very same concert. And he would come to tell me that he wore his man vest to that concert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but working with the man, Johnny Moran, uh, it's he's one of the nicest guys in the locker room. He was always available to do content for not only Wicked Turtle, but for the PPW interviews as well with PPW Live. Very, very friendly guy. And um, well, you're still working with Johnny, right? I mean, you're doing, you uh, you're doing yeah. a podcast there. Yeah, it would still come to uh, work with the man, Johnny Moran, up until Becky Lynch stole his name and he had to <laughs> switch up the game to become the dark horse, Johnny Moran. Uh, and again, yeah, still working with him today, doing the Moran and Friends podcast, which was his idea. He came to me with that and I said, yeah, I'll produce it. So, uh, yeah, we're having a good time doing that. And just like I'm having a good time doing this. Well, Anthony from Tornado Tags said uh, jokingly and probably not so much that uh, Johnny Moran's book for the next 10 seasons because of that uh, rock and wrestling logo. That's just amazing. Oh, so so much feedback. Yeah. So I love that logo. That looks great. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get no commentary here in this uh, in this match, uh, which seems really indie wrestling, right? Fire your local editor. In all honesty, yeah. I've actually got questions on this match in the past about the audio. I don't know. Okay, you're well, just going to have to accept that. I remember. All right, go ahead. The power went out. Is that what happened? That's definitely what happened. 
people have asked me about this. I don't know why it's this match. And this is why I even put this part into the podcast. I have been asked so much about this match and why there's no commentary on it. I think yeah. it's one of the only ones we have that are recent that, yeah. that doesn't. Maybe that's why. But. It doesn't surprise me because it was incredibly hot that day. I don't know if that had any effect on the power, but. Yeah, power went out. Yeah, I oh remember that. Yeah. I'm I glad I got to the bottom of that. I think Freddie knocked the plug out. Well, it's always Freddie's <laughs> Uh, John West controls a lot of this match, guys. I think Colbert does a pretty good job here in this match of being animated and vocal and just really being involved in the match. Uh, I think John West does an equally good job drawing with the crowd. So the end, we'll see Moran hit Holbert with a knee in the face and knock him out. This would lead to Siler Andrews coming out to help Johnny Moran. and He would double-team West with Moran, then immediately go wake up Holbert. A few seconds later, the crowd is happy as Moran gets the pinfall victory. And, Paul, the crowd was really into Johnny Moran in this match and very happy with the victory over John West. But but really, both of these guys are just another example of how good this PPW mid-card is here at this point, right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this in, in Lentz the last you know two episodes. John West is a good hand. I mean, he is a good hand, could work any style. Johnny Moran is a fan favorite. He's a nice guy, a super, super approachable guy. He'll do anything for you that you need. Easy to work with. And, uh, you know, they're they're definitely, definitely both talented. And, and like I said, you know, Johnny Moran gets a a, uh, a good ovation anytime he's in PPW. And, you know, say same with John West. John West, heel, babyface, whatever. He He's solid. Um, solid hands. Well, we'll move on to Team Undeniable with Ryan Race against South Philly's finest. Your referee is going to be Chris Bankos. And before we get into this, Paul, you highlighted something a few weeks back on PPW Unplugged about Undeniable getting to be at an NWO-level distraction and where they'd come out more and more and more in the match. Well, this is our fourth match on the show, and we've already seen Ryan Race heavily involved with one of them, with Rosa to lead the show off, but then the two more... Uh, times as well, making it the third time in four segments that he'd be out here. This is just what happens when stables get too big, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and, and and sometimes less is more. Um, and, and we did talk about that going forward. Um, it, it was met with 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 uh, you know open arms, and and you know maybe it was a little bit too much, and we tried to avoid that, you know, and curtail it a little more going forward because. If someone really, really hates you, sometimes, like I said, less is more. You you want them to, to the fans and say, oh, not not again. You want them to say, you know, really boo this guy when he comes out. So I think we did adjust that going forward in future shows. Um, but definitely a stable that has some major heat. And that credit goes to Ryan Race because he is really, really good at what he does. He, he yeah. really is. And he's good. He's a good manager. He's good on the microphone. And, and like I said, Pat Sawyer doesn't even have to say a word, you know, yep. Pat's a soft spoken guy to begin with. Yep. Um, but you know, well, their opponents will be the Uber popular South Philly's finest. And as expected, they get a loud pop here as they come out, they do their baby powder spot, which I always think is a great visual. And it really sets the tone for the gimmick before they even enter the ring. Uh, you can say what you want about these guys. And, for the most part, they are easy to work with, but Jimmy and I have had our days, uh, I think he'd tell you. 
Um, but I can say this, though. Uh, they get the crowd in Hazleton to make noise like nobody else can. And that is one of the few reasons why I will always respect their game. Uh, Alex, it's fair to say South Philly's finest is on top of a pretty good-looking tag team division here. And they really have the respect of the fans here in Hazleton. Uh, yeah, well, they have the respect of the fans, just not me. Uh, well, <laughs> as, far as, as far as Jimmy Conway goes, uh, we, we are not on good terms. Can I deny that they are a fan favorite since the beginning of PPW? Absolutely not. They are probably the best tag team as far as, uh, you know, working the crowd goes. I don't think anybody sold more merch in that building. Um, You know, so, you know, personal relationships aside, booking South Philly Finest is uh, a good bet. Now, Paul, we see big Pat Sawyer here and Andy Hatter, and, and this is a classic example of putting a rookie or someone very new to the business, like Sawyer is, uh, cutting his teeth in Excite. And just to go a couple of episodes back where we couldn't update you, he is still in Excite Wrestling up in Binghamton. But with an experienced veteran like Andy Hatter teaming with Pat Sawyer, this is just a classic example of putting uh, a young guy with an experienced one and, and letting that rub off, right? Well, the way the way Andy Hatter came into PPW. He was here sporadically. He did the Captain Davy Lawless stuff. Um, you know, he was never a mainstay in the early days of PPW. Um, so I talked Holy to Andy. Holy crap, I just figured out. I just was told. Andy Hedder was Captain Davy. I would not I did not for some reason those two are not even in the same world to me. It just blew my mind there. Oh, he did Continue. a fabulous <laughs> Yeah. Fabulous. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. I loved it. That was my favorite. favorite I did not believe that's Andy. Yeah, that was that blows my mind. Okay, continue. Yeah. So so I talked to Andy at another show. I think it was GSW. I was up there, you know, John and they had me up there and I don't know, I was doing some stuff with them and I was talking to Andy and I said to him, I said, you know, what do you think about coming back to PPW full time instead of as we need it? I said, we have this big guy, his name's Pat Sawyer, you know, he's, he's green. He's just, you know, Sean Carr trained him and, you know, um, so he's, he's looking to get some ring time. He's six foot eight. You can't teach the size, but I kind of presented it to Andy and I even presented this to Tony McKeegan, um, our partner um, who does the booking I said, you know, what do you think about bringing Andy Hedder back into PPW as a full-time thing? And, and, and Tony was receptive, and he liked Andy. You know, and he said, yeah. He said, what do you have in mind? And I said, let's team him with Pat Sawyer, kind of like the Enzo and Cass. You know, Pat Sawyer's big Cass, obviously. Andy Hedder's going to be like Enzo. He'll run around the ring and annoy people and kind of, you know, what we wanted him to do. The original plan then was obviously for Pat Sawyer to basically turn on the group and had enough because Pat was going to always get yelled at, you know, and basically get, you know, told and in. And eventually Andy and him would end up going at it, whatever. But it never, you know, it got that far. Andy into the group I thought was a great fit. Andy could talk if he has to, but he really didn't need to because he had Ryan. And, you know, as we saw in in other PPW matches with Gilberg and, and, and stuff like that that Andy Hedder did, I mean, he is truly an unsung hero here at PPW and one of the most talented um, workers in Northeastern Pennsylvania and another hell of a nice guy, easy to deal with. will do anything you want him to do. And, you know, basically, you know, another thing, and this is even, um, like he's local. Like he, he lives in the Pottsville area, so he's not traveling really far. So it's easy to get Andy up and back, but that was the original idea for Andy pairing him with Pat Sawyer, kind of like an end zone casting and, and with Ryan as the mouthpiece for both of them. 
This match starts off slow with a bit of showboating. Uh, Header goes to the Hogan pose, as EJ points out on commentary. And I remember our commentary equipment before we started using GoPro Wrestling consisted of old stuff that I found in my garage. So we only had like two microphones working that night, if I recall, and one was barely working. And it's it's why a lot of these times you will hear two guys uh, call the match on commentary with one of us either sitting out the match or not saying too much because we couldn't hear it. Uh, Luca Brazzi and Andy Hedder put on a good wrestling match together. Uh, Hedder's carrying the load here for his team on uh, on time spent in the ring. And, and South Philly, through, uh, though in the storyline of the match, used this to cut the ring off and, and make their tag team wrestling look very solid. Brazzi and Conway utilizing double team moves. EJ accurately states that what makes South Philly's finest different than the rest of the tag teams is that they have style in their moves. Every move is something that, you know, they basically worked on together. And I thought it was a great observation from EJ there on commentary. And of course we'd later go on to see the main event, give South Philly a run for their money in that department. But these guys are putting together moves that you expect uh, that look together, that look like uh, it would go with the gimmick. So I think that's a good point by EJ. Um, Andy Hedder would be in this match for the first seven minutes uh, for his team as we're really limiting Sawyer's involvement here. And that's what to expect in a relationship like this, I think. Uh, South Philly throws Brazi through the ropes and the Tope Soacita is completed. And Sawyer's going to give, uh, going to get much more involved here. Uh, the match will continue until the end when Andy Hedder will low blow Jimmy Conway and then immediately pin him. Uh, Sawyer will assist Hedder by adding weight onto Hedder's back when he's making the pin. So Conway, it's impossible to kick out of. And Undeniable is going to take their victory here. And, and it's a huge one for Undeniable. Guys, uh, Alex, first, your thoughts on Undeniable getting the upset win here over Jimmy Conway and Luca Brasi? I mean, personally, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, So me personally, uh, even as a wrestling fan, I've always tend to gravitate towards the bad guy. So uh, for me, this, this, this was pretty cool. Paul. It's a huge win. If you want to put a, a team over, I mean, South Philly is PPW originals. They are the most popular team in PPW. They are someone who the crowd loves and, to put a heel team over your baby faces, your top baby faces, is, is one way of saying, hey, Undeniable is, is here to stay. And, and I think that was a, you know, the thought on it. And um, what a better way to put a heel team over is put them over you know, your best baby, your, your biggest baby face team. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think uh, South Philly's loss there kind of uh, is a testament to them and and uh, and what it means to beat South Philly. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good thing for both teams. Uh, Casey Navarro and Evander James are next. Your referee is going to have Carden. Casey Navarro and Evander James, uh, these two did some great work before this match uh, at another indie show. And I think it was Massachusetts where they were both booked. Uh, we see some other PPW guys like the main event in the background, but basically these two will end up brawling after confronting one another in the locker room. This sets this match up nice. I thought it was nice for both of these guys to think of PPW in another show um, for a couple seconds and, and do a promo. Evander does a really good job as does Navarro setting up this match. And Evander comes out in this match, guys, was a pretty cool mask, I thought, uh, that he debuts here. And, and I know he debuted there. Uh, we never really see it again, though. And I know I wasn't cool in high school. So wherever, so whereas I couldn't be on that show, I can be. Hey, that's a podcast. Give Anthony Blackwell yeah, some. I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying to throw him in. There. Give him a rub. 
I can't be on point with my guess here. I know the mask is inspired by uh, some anime or something like that, but I, I couldn't find anyone who could really track down the specific show. Alex, you said I think something about the penguin may have thought it was, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Uh, I think uh, Gundam. Gundam? The, okay. Yeah, not, Th this I'm is not, not sure. my area of expertise. <clears throat> uh, it's not the same as like Gundam style, right? The, the... <laughs> A little bit Gundam different. Style. <laughs> Evander's carrying the golden ticket briefcase, and last week we went over the rules and how that comes into picture but what we didn't talk about alex is that mm -hmm. uh is what that means from a management standpoint i mean when you're carrying that around the promotion is uh is really saying kind of we think you might be next or at least we have some some faith in you right yeah i mean you kind of have to because when you're when you're putting the golden ticket on somebody you're looking for two polar opposites you're looking for somebody that the fans really want to be the champion so they build that anticipation or you're going to put it on somebody that they really don't want to be the champion, like that they really love to hate. Uh, to put that on somebody who's mediocre and maybe not the guy, it wouldn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Navarro comes out, guys, and he tells Evander to come get him. Uh, Evander does uh, by doing a cartwheel for some reason in the ring and then jumping outside to try and clothesline Navarro. Navarro ducks the clothesline from James and immediately runs into the ring. He runs against the opposite side of the ropes and then comes back to jump out of the ring over the top rope onto Evander James. We are literally 10 seconds into the match, and this one's starting very hot, very fast. The crowd's immediately into this. And Paul, It's uh, on like Donkey Kong, right? It, it, it absolutely is, Paul. I mean, we've always been impressed with Navarro here in PPW, and it's always on like Donkey Kong when Navarro's in the ring. This, this is only a second match in the company, though, and – of course, winning in his debut against Dante Caballero at the PPW <laughs> shootout. I mean, Paul, you found him here for us. And, and tell us a little bit about working with a very young Casey Navarro here, bringing him into PPW. Well, I mean, you know, Casey and I had some conversations through uh, Facebook. Um, he, um, like I said, Mike Orlando, actually, he was friends with Mike. And, you know, Mike uh, said to me, you know, there's this kid, his name was Kid Christian back then. You know, he would like to come into PPW if you guys ever have an opening. And, uh, you know, Casey and I had some uh, talks online. And we were actually doing a uh, Tim Embler's uh, Icons Fest with Swagger. And Casey and I don't know who he was with. He was with somebody else who was ha handing out flyers for the big show in Atlantic City. Um, I think Chad Mines' show, whatever that was, Boardwalk, whatever, with all that, a bunch of names, yeah. and, and he was handing out mm -hmm. flyers. I didn't realize Casey was that young. This is the funny part. Like, I, I thought he was old. a fan, and he came up. I thought he wanted his picture taken with Swagger. So I'm like talking to him, <laughs> and you know, taking his picture, and he, he, he's, you know, he, and, and you know, he walked away, and he was. Uh, you know, handing out stuff. And Mike said to me, do you know who that is? And he goes, that's, that's Casey Navarro that I was telling you about. And I'm like, Oh shit. Isn't it? I thought he was a fan. I said, he looks like he's 12, you know, cause he looks so young. <laughs> well, it begs, um, the, it begs the question. Did he get the autograph or no? <laughs> no, he did not. Um, <laughs> so he came back around and, you know, I, I said to him, I said, Hey, you know, I, I thought, you know, you didn't introduce yourself. I didn't know who you were. I thought you were a fan looking for a picture. And we laughed and, <laughs> and that's kind of how him and I hit it off. And, uh, you know, we still talk all the time. You know, I'm happy to see him, you know, doing the AEW stuff. He's he's always been a good kid to me, and he's always been um, super, super respectful. And, uh, you know, I, I think his time at PPW, he he values. He always says he does. 
Um, but you're just seeing him get booked more and more now. And, and, and you know, in, in that impact show, when Rich Swan put him over as someone to watch, I think that was just the building block he needed that just in the shot, like catch, you know, to catapult him to that next level, but a good kid. And uh, like I said, but he, uh, Mike Orlando is the one who actually referred him to me, you know, oh, okay. and, and, you know, I brought it to Tony and Tony's like, yeah, bring him in. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we had them and, you know, so that's basically it. I remember when everybody comes into PPW, at least most people, uh, we try to get an interview with them and kind of write a story on PPWWrestling.com about uh, who they are, why you should care, uh, who where they've been, things like that. And I remember talking to Casey Navarro, very, very good guy, um, very easy to deal with. Uh, I... <laughs> I think he'd sent me back. I mean, what we do is is we send him questions like in an email or something or a message and he'll take them and copy it and then, you know, paste his answers. Well, in like 20 minutes, he had these answers back to me. I think it's the fastest anybody's ever done that. So he's, you know, not to say, wow, look at me. It's to say this guy's really responsible and really responsive. And I think that's a lot of reason. I mean, obviously his skill is amazing as well, but He's a real go-getter here, and uh, mm. and I think that says a lot about him, Alex. Uh, do you, any thoughts here, uh, Alex, on Casey Navarro here before we get into the into the match? <clears throat> yeah, I remember when he debuted at PPW at Shootout, I was incredibly excited to get to see him live as I've been following him on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> I I was actually incredibly excited to start the chant that they started at one of the other promotions that was uh, a play on the Seven Nation Army uh, classic Oh, Casey Navarro. So I, I tried to get that started and it didn't work. Nobody, nobody followed. <laughs> can you uh, sing that? Can you sing that again so I can record yeah. that on my phone so I can have it? All right, ready? Ringtone. Wait, wait, oh, hold on. Oh, fix ready? your beard. Fix your beard. Oh, Clear yeah. your throat. Mm-hmm. Looks very majestic. <laughs> me, 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 me. There you go, right, Alex. Ready? Oh, all right, so are you ready? Damn it! <laughs> yeah, you're no, you're no fun, Philip. All right, I quit. I quit. I quit long ago. Uh, but no, yeah. What did uh, I do? <laughs> I hate you. Uh, oh my god! Very, very excited for the things Casey Navarro is is doing now. Like even just uh, uh, breaking into the business at young, like 18, 19 years old, uh, he had a hot start. And I mean, look where he's at now. It's incredible. Well, the match is going to stay outside of the ring for the good majority for uh, of the first few minutes, and. I love this booking, guys, as Evander James is such a great hand in the ring, and, and he can really match Navarro's energy here. And uh, Alex, I say in commentary that the problem with going against Casey Navarro is that if you give him five seconds of room, you'll have three moves done on you in that matter of time. Maybe that's a bit of exaggeration, but honestly, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it it's might not. not be. I mean, this guy's really fast, isn't he? He's incredibly quick and agile. Every every single match, he's, he's zipping around the ring. So... Well, a cool spot in this match is early on where Navarro jumps off the top rope only for Evander James to catch him in midair and throw him to the ropes. It was a, it was a spot Navarro sold well, and it just illustrates the size difference here, just how small Navarro is because Evander James isn't really that huge of a guy. Uh, and, and James will focus on the legs and, and back of Navarro, slowing him down towards the middle of the match, and Navarro would take a beating this match and, and even bleeding a little bit. The, the two would find themselves on the top rope, and Navarro goes for the Frankensteiner, but James catches him. James, James stands up to powerbomb him, but Navarro uses that second. As I said, you give him a second. He used that momentum, and he will then Frankenstein Evander James off the top rope. It gets a huge pop from the fans. And, guys, there, there's 
there is going to be a spot towards the end of this match where Casey Navarro gets planted like a tree in the sunshine state, to borrow a Paul Boism. We uh, actually screwed that up, but that's okay. Oh, my goodness. We have Evander James on the outside of the ring, uh, but on the apron. Navarro runs at James, and James jumps over him, sort of like if you would see somebody do a sunset flip takeoff. Uh, But James catches him in the middle. Tombstone pile drives Navarro onto the apron. I remember talking to Evander after this match and him telling me how good it looked. But that really wasn't planned to do that. Um, <laughs> and it, I thought it knocked Casey Navarro out as a shoot. Um, and Evander said that he he did not mean to drop him like that. Um, but Evander throws Navarro's lifeless body into the ring. And, and then we hear the sounds of the green machine, Mike Orlando's music. The crowd starts clamp, clapping. Orlando's going to come out, but... He's nowhere to be found. Uh, Orlando's playing games with Evander James. Uh, he's not even at this show, if I could re- if I could recall correctly. James is distracted. He walks into a spinning heel kick by Navarro. He will immediately hit uh, Navarro. That is a beautiful frog splash. My goodness, this this is just perfection. Uh, and I am a big fan of the frog splash move. So uh, I mark for that move. Casey Navarro does it better than almost anybody on the Indies. And I knew then and there this kid's a special, and and he's going to be special. And Navarro's going to win this match, guys. And your thoughts uh, on this match? I thought it was excellent and, and my favorite of the night, honestly. I, I think maybe, possibly, even not to go too far, maybe my top 10 of all time that I've experienced live. Uh, what what are your guys' thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought it was a great match as well. Uh, I don't know if it was my favorite of the mat- the night, though, uh, but we'll get into that later. Paul? I mean, super, super match. I mean, Navarro goes up top. He's looking to put him away. Here he comes with that big frog splash, plants him like a palm tree in a sunshine state. Here's the leg in a one, two, three, Phil. That was your call. That was it. Was it you and I on commentary? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I was there, yeah. <laughs> All right. a, a shout out real quick here just to, to touch sure. on our commentary a little bit. One of our big fans, John Marninsky, he, he sent a thing there. The other day we were talking about, I guess, the podcast. He put a quote there, and this is actually funny. I don't know if you saw this, Phil. He said um, that we would make eating chips exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope. <laughs> um, Deshaun Fred- He's Deshaun- going for the queso. Yeah, he has jalapeno salsa. <laughs> you know, oh, uh, no, I he think- dropped it on his <laughs> – I think when we start out this show, we should start it with a classic Paul Bow. Go get a snack and <laughs> go to the refrigerator, grab something cold to drink, perhaps even a snack. The best That's of great. PPW is up next. And now you make me want to do a new intro. What you call guy is that Jason guy is incredible. And I love the way he says, Alex Watt. <laughs> Alex Watt. <laughs> like, cool. I immediately have to make sure my hands are on the table. That's right. Alex Watt. That's right. Well, moving That's on, right. if there was ever a good time to move on, Deshaun Pratt, and Dante, <laughs> Deshaun Pratt and Dante Cavalera will be your next match. Referee Becky Phillips here. And, guys, this is the first time that we're getting a look at Deshaun Pratt. Of course, he'd go on to become a PPW staple talent here and someone to expect on every show. But, Paul, tell me a little bit about bringing in Deshaun Pratt uh, here in the PPW. Well, I mean, I, I knew of Deshaun um, for his with his time in, uh, you know, Chikara. And uh, hold on one second here. I, I, I minimized our thing here by accident. Excuse me. A little t- there we go. I was trying to do something for work. Anyway, um, I knew him a little bit in Chikara. He, he, I saw him wrestle um, all over. But actually, Tony McKeegan brought him in. Uh, he, he had some conversations with Deshaun. And, you know, and Johnny Moran had a lot to do with bringing Deshaun Pratt in. 
Um, you know, he kept saying, you know, Deshaun wants to work for PPW. And, you know, I, I said, no, he, he's really talented. I mean, you know, my, my first question with everybody is, you know, can we afford him? You know, he's he's really talented. And, you know, Deshaun, total professional. Um, and, and, I mean, he came in and nothing was guaranteed. And, as always, when you have talent like Deshaun Pratt, they take the ball and run with it. And he did. And ex- extraordinarily humble person and alex you know you, you've talked to deshaun how many oh, times what are, what are my good friends i absolutely you know. love the guy yeah and, and uh he doesn't like you phil either that's another guy i added to list uh, oh, that's okay <laughs> i mean he's lucky enough to share a birthday with me um so <sighs> you know that talent rubs off a little bit uh so he should be thanking me to be honest with you but the match is a lot of holds and a slow natured match notice how he cut us off alex a lot of holds <laughs> in this one obviously put here in this position to slow uh slow the event down and and not to wear out the crowd and we just saw this exciting match between Evander and Navarro, uh, the match before, but Pratt's going to take this slow-natured match and, and get over anyway, taking Dante's hat and dancing in the middle of the ring. Uh, he'll eventually take uh, take it off of his hat, obviously, and and, and start wrestling. But this makes uh, Dante angry. He's going to step on the hat before uh, – I'm sorry, he's going to step on the hat, and that's going to make Dante angry. This gives a chance for Deshaun Pratt to showcase his ability, um, which he does a good job of, and and – these two put on a good match here uh, that is built around Dante focusing on the back of Deshaun Pratt. Good old-fashioned psychology here. And, Paul, Dante Caballero is someone we see here a few times in PPW. And I mentioned he is, at the, at the time, the Maryland Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. But what else do we need to know about Dante Caballero? Well, I mean, Dante, like I said, you know, MCW alumni, Um he, he's now does some work for Ring of Honor. Him, Ken Dixon, Rayo, that whole bunch, uh, Brian Johnson, they're doing work for Ring of Honor and, and, and doing really, really good things there. Really nice guy. Ryan, Ryan Race was instrumental in bringing Dante in. Um, he's the guy who who wanted to bring him in through MCW and saw him on tape. And, you know, we reached out to him and and, uh, and we got him, to, you know, to come in for a few dates. The biggest problem we had with Dante was availability. Um, MCW ran a lot of dates where we where we did. Um, so he was the champ there. Obviously, he's going there. He did stuff with Ring of Honor, and our dates, you know, conflicted. Obviously, obviously, hey, go there. You know what I mean? But yeah. professional, well, very well spoken, easy to. I say that I, I must repeat myself a hundred times. Trust me, when somebody isn't easy to deal with, I'll tell you, easy to deal with. Never a problem negotiation wise. Hey, can we, you know, bring in, can we use you for whatever? As all those MCW guys that we used, I mean, we used a slew of MCW guys, Ken Dixon and, you know, Haygood and, you know, Brandon Scott. I mean, even though he wasn't originally from there, um, but very well, Rayo, very well, you know, um, rounded, you know, professionally and easy to deal with. And that's a, that's a credit to MCW. Um, because they, you know, they're not going to use anybody that gives you a hard time. And and they're always professional. They're always well-prepared, and they're always some of the best talent you could get. So uh, Dante was no exception to that role. Well, the match will see Dante give Pratt a Michinoku driver and get a two-count. The bell rings anyway. Becky Phillips says that it was a two-count, and the match will continue. A few seconds later, Pratt will hit Dante in the face with a kick, and Deshaun Pratt wins his first match in PPW. Alex, you actually did an interview with Deshaun Pratt. I can't remember if it was before or after this match, sure. but how was he to work with, and, and was it before or after? Because if he was after, was he in a good mood? Did he feel good about 
this performance. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it was after the match. Uh, he was, you know, all dressed and ready to head out. But, you know, he sat down with us and we talked a lot about him uh, in his early days and Chikara and CZW working uh, under the uh, the name Amasis, wearing a mask. And uh, he talked a lot about how he wasn't doing that character anymore. And he kind of had a falling out and he's, he's trying to make a name for himself again. And, you know, you'd come to find out that PPW was the place that put belief into, into Deshaun Pratt. And he appreciates that so much to where he's ready and raring to go as soon as we're able to get back going, you know? Yeah, I, I do know. Uh, I do know that he holds a special place for PPW. We hold a special place for him too. He, he definitely, uh, he definitely helped us as well by his presence on the show. So that that definitely mm -hmm. goes both ways. Uh, we move on. And uh, so, Phil, yeah, one, go one ahead. thing here, one thing just Please. to touch on, and in closing on, I don't want to be too long. But a lot of people um, don't realize that you know he was part with Ophidian and part of the you know the, the portal they wore. In in Chikara, that 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 was the Sean Pratt under that mask, and yeah. you can see some of the video there, and and just to see how talented he is. But I think the best thing for him, like I said, is you know he he took the mask off, and people know who he is now. You know, yeah. And that video caught fire too. I mean, it's been viewed yeah. million, literally millions, oh, yeah. of viral. Times. So yeah, uh, and, that's one uh, of the videos I think of when I think of like wrestling videos that are mm -hmm. famous. You know what I mean? Like that's one of them that I think, wow, okay, that's that's got to be in in, the, in that list in that playlist. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's the beauty of like podcasts and stuff like that. For people who don't know, that was Deshaun Pratt under the mask, and uh, I, I've heard a lot of people that were just like, I had no clue. I just thought he was some random guy coming into PPW. Absolutely not. Ten right. plus years in the business. Absolutely. Uh, now. We have uh, next, we'll, we'll move to a triple threat where we see Majestic Noah, Mantakia, and Blackstrom, who we see debut in a match against Ricky Martinez in the opener of uh, PPW It Ain't Easy, featuring The Godfather, which just a few months ago. But Alex, what can you tell us a little bit about Blackstrom? Blackstrom, I mean, uh, another Chikara guy wrestled there under a mask under the name Mobius, uh, trained at the Wrestle Factory, and still to this day keeps up his uh, training with a Team Adams with uh, Damian Adams up in Jersey. <clears throat> this guy is also one of the few people in the business that successfully utilizes mixed martial arts tactics in his wrestling matches. Not too many bad things I can say about this guy. He's absolutely one of my favorites. Also, you can see that he's covered in tattoos. It's not going to be a surprise to you that in real life he is a tattoo artist as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I thought he had a good look, um, a very uh, hard look, uh, tough guy look. And and then the next guy we see come out uh, is named Mantakia, and, and which yeah. I would later come to find out means butter. <laughs> it's and Paul... Paul, Manny is another House of Glory guy, as we detailed last episode. What can you tell us about Mantequilla coming into PPW? How did it happen? Why did it happen? Uh, what what set this up? Well, I mean, he, he was another guy that traveled with the House of Glory crew. Um, he, he came to shows just as the main event did, as an extra. Hey, if you need me, I'm here. Um, we did use him, you know, many times. Very, very, very nice guy. And he was a big-time player at House of Glory. I mean, he wrestled their main events. It wasn't like he was a mid-carder or a lower mid-card guy there. He was the man there at, at, at House of Glory. Again, you know, worked all the big guys at, at House of Glory. 
and just just a, a, a pleasure to deal with, like came in as just an extra. You know, I saw him sitting there in the crowd, you know, with the main event guys, and, you know, he introduced himself and, you know, and I didn't know much about him, I'll be honest. And he's like, hey, I do a superhero gimmick and, you know, I have a mask and, you know, the crowd really, you know, and, and it did take a while. And you and I have had these discussions off the air, Scott, with Montekino. And I, I kept saying at the beginning, the crowd's just not connecting with him, not connecting yep. with him. Yep. But when we start putting him in matches that were favorable to him against high flyers like like Blackstrom or Majestic Noah, like in this match, eventually that crowd started doing all his signature maneuvers, the, the hands on the hips and, you know, the falling in the corner and, you know, waving to him. They, they, you know, as months went on, they started waving to him as he came out like he did to the crowd, to the kids, and he really started to catch fire here. Um, super talented and same thing with Blackstrom, like Blackstrom. I, I just talked to him a couple months ago. He sent me a message and he said, Hey, is PPW planning on starting up anytime soon? I'd like to, you know, come back. And he, he came from Johnny Moran. Johnny Moran referred him to us. Speak Johnny Moran a Booker at this point. <laughs> well, let's not get too carried away. He would refer guys. He also referred some guys we didn't use, but we're not going to get into that. Now I'm only kidding. But, um, <laughs> You know, he said, hey, he wanted to get on the show. And and the problem with, with Blackstrom was was availability. Again, he was booked a lot in Jersey, you know, with with uh, with Damian Adams and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he got his chances to wrestle all over. You know, good guy. You know, and like I said, it was uh, this was a good match. Well, guys, the other guy in this match is Majestic Noah. And as I previewed earlier in the episode, he will be coming into this match as the No Limits champion. Just the month prior at PPW Shootout, he defeated Johnny Moran, Rick Recon, and John West to win the title. And the match itself starts off a little fast here with all these, all three of these men in the in the ring at the same time. And Paul Bo accurately describes what this match will turn out to be, a mile-a-minute pace. Uh, Blackstrom will get kicked out to the floor early in the match, and we'll see Noah and Manny go one-on-one -on -one with a handshake before it. Both men mirror one another, and at the end, uh, a standing pause as Manny does the superhero pose that I love. Um, he, he puts his, uh, I guess how I could describe it, right? You put your hand on, on your hips and kind of put your chest out kind of like in a superhero way. I thought that's a really good touch to the gimmick. Uh, the match features Majestic Noah with a Paul Bo described Tope Kanhilo. I do not know wrestling moves. I'm like, a what? Uh, all men are tumble set over the top rope. My goodness gracious. Uh, all men are on the out. That's why I do commentary. Uh, that's why I do color commentary, not uh, play by play. That's why Paul's one of the best in the biz. <laughs> um, all men are on the outside of the ring with the crowd chanting for Noah. And the match is going to be fast paced. A seesaw style match here, guys, in terms of who's in control of it. And, and guys, Majestic Noah has defended his title for the first time. And, Alex, thoughts on Noah here with, with a title in PPW? Uh, you know, I, I love to see Noah with the title. He's incredibly talented. But, uh, you know, from a booking standpoint, I, I kind of worry a little bit because, as Paul can kind of tell you, he he tends to be a little injury prone. Isn't that right, Paul? Well, yeah, he, he, he has no regard for his body. I mean, he does some of the craziest slash stupidest thing sometimes <laughs> I, I remember in i don't know if it was the impact show Ooh, when he almost landed on you yeah i mean like i was doing the introductions and and to, to be honest with you to this till i saw the video you i remember you telling me alex you know mm -hmm. that he almost did a backflip on top of you announcing yeah. i don't know if that was the impact show or if that was something else i, I think it was impact 
it was the opening dark match mm-hmm. on Impact. He did a backflip off the thing, and I was standing right there announcing the things. He almost like he literally, when I watched the video, he just missed me. Yeah. And nope. um, then he did a suicide dive onto no one and broke his wrist. And then I think he did another crazy dive and broke his other wrist. Um, so he is injury prone. <clears throat> he leaves it all out there. Super nice guy. Oh, yeah. um, I actually just helped getting him get him booked with uh, Diamond Joe's Federation. Uh, but right. uh, yeah, he's uh, he's gonna thing there, uh, you know. And we were instrumental when we got him back and doing the Han gimmick. Um, you know, <laughs> I love we, that. You know, we had the the theme, Alex. I remember the theme from Mohana. We used the <laughs> yes, <laughs> so yeah. good. But as Alex said, just to piggyback off that. Super, super injury prone, and he, he's a big kid. It's not like he's a skinny little frail thing. He has a good built him, but hey, some yep. people get hurt a lot. And uh, and poor Noah, he, he was on the wrong side of the fence a couple times. <laughs> well, next guys, we see Terrell Kenneth and Sam Adams in a qualifying match for a spot in next month's PPW Heavyweight Championship match. This is normally where I would ask you guys how Terrell Kenneth got here, but I'm actually responsible for that. Uh, Kenneth and Sean Carr had an excellent match at Excite Wrestling in Binghamton. I remember messaging Sean and asking about the character of young Terrell uh, Kenneth. Carr co-signed for him and assured me that he was a great guy. He was. It's easy. To, he's an easy-to-deal-with guy, uh, Terrell Kenneth. And I, I thought he could have been something here in PPW, Alex, with, with a little bit more consistent booking. Uh, your thoughts, you know, kayfabe-wise, I guess, on Terrell Kenneth's uh, ability to get to the top of, of PPW. I think it could have happened. I, you know, uh, we talked a bit about it last episode and, you know, the issue with Terrell again was, uh, you know, scheduling, but other than that, uh, this is a impressive big man with incredible athletic ability. And I, I mean, I was incredibly excited to see him come in and just destroy people. Uh, you know, you don't see many big guys in the business. And when I say big, I mean chubby dudes like myself that are, you know, incredibly athletic and can really, you know, hang with the best of them. Well, fast Freddie Akers and that damn handsome man, Phil Bravado, are on commentary. Jesus. And Sam Adams takes his time walking around the ring three times before he even thinks about getting into it. Uh, the bell hasn't rang yet since he hasn't gotten into the ring. And finally, referee Jim Holbert will start the count. The bell will ring, and Adams still on the outside, uh, refusing to get in. He, start, he, Jim Holbert, starts a 10 count in which Holbert gets up to nine until Sam Adams rolls into the ring. And then rolls right back out. And he's getting heat here. Um, Terrell Kenneth finally says he will give Adams a freebie, and he puts his hands behind his back and ducks down for Adams to get a free shot in the middle of the ring. This gets Adams into the ring, and he and he applies a headlock, which is interesting. Um, it doesn't take long for Kenneth to use his power to control the match, and Adams is really putting uh, over Terrell Kenneth's size and strength here by powdering to the outside of the ring and, and not you know being really reluctant to get back into the ring and fight him. Uh, now we'll fast forward to a spot in the match that I'm sure both of you remember. Woo. And it actually takes, it actually makes the signature of PPW's high voltage t- television show, the, the intro video that comes on before the show, where oh. Kenneth picks up Sam Adams and he heaves him over the top rope onto what Paul Bo likes to call commentator's row, right <laughs> onto Diablo Rojo. I mean, I remember Adams legit feeling. Um, the effects of that after the show and, and Kenneth admitting that he got a little bit too pumped up for that spot and, and threw him a little further than he needed to. Alex, this is a crazy spill, man. That, that's taken by Sam Adams here. And oh, it, it was an actual, uh, on the shoot, it injured Sam Adams a little bit that night. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember I was uh, trying to sell some merch over at the merch table, and I just see Terrell Kenneth pick him up, walk over towards the ropes, and I'm like, no, this isn't happening. Uh, I remember me and everybody in the rows in front of me slowly standing up with anticipation as he threw him over the top rope, and you just hear one collective gasp throughout the arena. Didn't he land on top of Rojo? Yeah, I believe so. Right yeah, in front of the table. And what happened was Rojo got hurt too. Uh, sorry, uh, Alex, I'll forget. Oh, no, to say I, was, this. I was throwing it over to you guys because I want to know what was your perspective. Well, I'm sitting there at commentary and I hear Diablo Rojo and I can see that he's setting up for a spot. And Sam Adams comes over. And what had happened was Diablo Rojo is exactly the right height to where the small of his back was on the corner of. Uh, was on like, you know, facing uh, the table, so to speak. So if I were to push him backwards, his back would run right into the table. Well, the force of Sam Adams coming down on him did exactly that. And I remember Rojo legit being injured as well on that on that spot. Uh, it wasn't a good one. Um, it wasn't worthwhile for the spot. It looked great on TV. But, yes. um, you know, in terms of like if anybody's ever going to get hurt, I'm always not going to be for that. But, but yeah, Diablo Rojo got hurt there too. Yeah. Uh, the end of the match, uh, we'll see Kenneth go for the pin, but Diablo Rojo grabbing referee Jimmy Holbert and pulling him to the outside of the ring. Holbert will be uh, will be out when Adams takes advantage of the situation and goes to pin Kenneth. But the referee, of course, like I said, knocked out. So Adams would yell to Rojo to get Holbert into the ring and woke up. Rojo messing up by knocking Holbert out at the wrong time as the story goes. And a few minutes later, Rojo will interfere again by hitting Kenneth with the briefcase. That doesn't really affect Kenneth at all. Eventually, Kenneth will hit Adams with a KO punch. And we see Adams at the tipping point of patience with his manager here. Of course, the very next month, we'll see Adams ditch Rojo with the help of um, with uh, Cole Cabana. But, Paul, it appears like we're looking at Terrell Kenneth as a player here in PPW. And then just like that, he's gone. We know the schedule was the reason for his departure, but I asked Alex earlier, how do you, how far do you think Terrell Kenneth could have been here, uh, went here in Hazleton? To the top. I'm not going to even sugarcoat it. To the top. He has that Keith Lee look. Um, he's a big guy. Um, not sure if he was a football player or whatever, but a big guy who can move. So much talent. The availability killed it. Um, and that was really the only downside but he he could have been your ppw tv champ he could have been your ppw heavyweight champ the 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 talent was there but again like as so many of the workers we bring in who can't give you dates it's hard for them to get over with the crowd as a heel or baby face you know our our crowd is there every month and if they don't know you they're a tough bunch you know they they you know it took them a while to, to to gravitate as i said like to to montequila and, and the house of glory guys you know the main event and mason evander james was kind of from the beginning he hit it off but you know some of these guys take a little bit longer because the fans got to get to know them well guys we head into the next match and it's going to be our second to last one uh between the ppw tag team champion sean cannon and drake carter the punk rock all-stars paul talk a little bit about delilah here i think she adds something to the presentation of uh of uh, cannon and carter and and uh, I think I think it's a good thing. I think uh, she gives them that extra layer. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Marissa, a real nice girl, and and she's been around PPW a long time, and you know, she she obviously couldn't wrestle or take any bumps in the ring. She asked numerous times, "Is there anything she can do to be part of the show?" And you know, I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be nice to pair her with Cannon and Carter? 
with the punk rock all-stars, you know, cause she always had some, you know, cool colored hair and stuff like that. And, you know, she embraced the gimmick wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, she went out and dyed her hair green and, you know, it looked great. And, and, uh, you know, we even had her on commentary on a couple of shows and, you know, she had it out with EJ, she had it out with me. And I would always make it a point when I was calling a match to say something to her that she would hear so she can respond on camera to us in <laughs> yeah. the typical, you know, bitchy manner that Delilah is. You know, she's a bitch. And I'm talking, I'm talking gimmick wise. You know, yeah. she's a super nice girl. Uh, but but she plays that, you know, she looks like someone you don't want to fool around with because she'll punch you right in the face, you know, <laughs> and and um you know, she, she did a great job. I mean, a great job in the promos yeah. um, with the Punk Rock All-Stars, who are two of my favorite people in PPW. I, I really like, you know, Sean Cannon and Drake Carter. And, and um, but Delilah took the ball and ran with it. And, and, and Sean and Drake both like her a lot as their manager. It fits the role perfectly. Yeah, I have to agree with the promos. It's their their promos together are fantastic. And my favorite one wasn't even a promo. It was a uh, get well <laughs> video for uh Mike Orlando. For Mike Orlando. And they were just <laughs> they're like, I, I can't even remember what it was. I just remember it, it was hilarious. And I'm sure we have it on a backlog somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, Phil the, probably lost it. The main event <laughs> You know what? That's a shoot. I, I probably did. No, it's uh, on somewhere. It's somewhere. The main event coming in here, guys, with an 0-2 record, and they have a bit of a tough time finding a win here in the first few months at PPW, but they do look impressive in every showing. Uh, Alex, just a point of reference here. Uh, the Lion still has the tail here. Uh, the match will get off to a, a very fast start, and within a few minutes, we will see the debut of a very popular spot from the main event. Midas Black will grab the stake, and he'll yes. throw it through the hoop. Jay Lion dives through the hoop and the ropes for the Tope Soacita, and immediately we're seeing that the main event aren't just two guys teaming together, guys. We're seeing that they put thought into this team, and I, I really enjoy that about all the tag teams in this division at the time. But, man, the main event have got that, that tag team combo going uh, for them uh, at, a, at a rate that South Philly does and, and it, it rivals it. And it's a very strong gimmick. Uh, the match continues. The main event are staying in control of the match early, but eventually the punk rock all-stars would cut the ring off and show the teamwork that they have been known for. Becky Phillips has a tough time calling this match, especially with the biggest heels in the tag team division at the time, the punk rock all-stars in the match. Lions eventually going to fight out of it and give Midas black the hot tag. The crowd will start getting behind the main event here and, Minus Black will take advantage of the situation. He'll take advantage of the match and, and nearly pin Sean Cannon to become the new PPW Tag Team Champions. But it's not to be on this night, guys. As Sean Cannon will hit Midas Black with the belt. Delilah, as Paul Bo uh, illustrated earlier, great uh, heel comment or hate heel manager, distracted the referee Becky Phillips. That will turn the tide in the match. And a few minutes later, Sean Cannon will pin Midas Black. And the boys from Baltimore will retain the PPW tag team titles. Paul, these are two good tag teams with two good looks. We start to see the main event getting some support here. But on the other side of the ring, the Punk Rock All-Stars are a really solid team too. What can you tell us about Sean Cannon and Drake Carter? Well, I mean, again, I met them back in 2014. They were doing a WXW benefit show. Um, I think we talked a little about this on one of the episodes. It was down in uh, – uh, one of those coal towns down there. I'm trying to think if it was Palmerton or somewhere down that way, Nesca Honing down that way. It was a benefit show for Wood, 
the Woodstock or whatever they did, something like that. I still have the T-shirt, but I know it was in October of 2014. And Sean and Drake were on the show, as like I said before, so was Leo Rush and Patrick Clark and, you know, a lot of – um you know, people who became, you know, got in WWE afterwards. And I met them there and, you know, I, I was talking to Sean Cannon and, you know, we sat there and I said, Hey, you know, part owner of PPW, would you guys ever want to come in? And, um, Oh yeah, sure. You know, gave me his contact information and um, nothing really ever happened of it. I don't think we brought them in immediately. And then Ryan um, actually approached Tony and I about it and said, Hey, what do you think about the punk rock all-stars from, from MCW? And um, I said, well, I worked with them before a couple years ago at, at Sam Lou's show. Um, really good guys and, you know, solid workers. And he said, I, I think I could get them to come in. I'm going to talk to them. I'm like, yeah, bring them in. You know, see what they want to do. And, you know, we worked together and, and, and got them to come in. And former tag team champs, they became a staple. And, and there's someone who, who really, really embraces the gimmick. And, you know, they love it here. You know, like I said, I, I talked, I haven't talked to Sean in a while, but I talked to Drake once in a while. He just checks in and sees, you know, what's going on with the COVID here and if we're going to be running soon. And, you know, they want to come back and, you know, they're anxious like everyone else is chomping at the bit to uh, get back in the squared circle. Yeah, both guys have always been awesome to me. Always easy to work with. Uh, really humble and nice guys uh, when it comes down to it. I always appreciate them for that. I still uh, remember when Sean Cannon slipped that time coming down to the ring. Remember that, Alex? I think oh it was in the God. Rumble. Yeah, he took a header on the on the water. Re <laughs> reminiscent of the uh, Titus, Titus yeah. World Slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, after the match, we're going to see Alexander and Charles Mason come down and attack the main event. First night in the company for the Masons, and now they are involved in a storyline with fellow House of Glory wrestlers, the main event. Uh, this is a good little feud that we got here between the main event and uh, and the, and the uh, Masons. And Paul pointed out earlier that, you know, when you get two guys or four guys in this case that know one another, Alex, it, it's going to be a really good uh, result because you know you're, you're feeling more comfortable you're feeling more in tune with with your opponent no, no. It's, it's easy to catch lightning in a bottle like that it really is and, yeah. and just to piggyback off that like i said earlier in the girls match there was the opposite you had girls that never really worked together yeah. um so no it's definitely definitely easier well we roll on guys to our main event of the mm -hmm. evening uh and guys we get simon gotch coming into ppw here to take on sean Carr. the referee is going to be jeff Carden, as mm -hmm. always our senior official you guys guys your thoughts alex first you on uh on working with simon gotch here wow um personally a uh, big fan of the guy from his work in wwe and uh you know i didn't love the vaude villains but i genuinely kind of really liked his style uh of in-ring competition and he was able to bring that to the seminar that he did right before the show and i have to say of all the seminars that i've sat in simon gotch's seminar is my absolute favorite um a testament to it is that he's come to WWE or not WWE, uh, PPW twice and run the same seminar. The seminar basically is um, talking about his, one his match style of incorporating amateur wrestling into professional wrestling, but also to break down the walls of what is preconceived in wrestling as your typical heel face dynamic. Uh, Really, really a uh, big fan of his, and I was excited to work with him. Paul, Paul, any uh, Simon Gotch? Is he, is he easy to work with? Very, very yeah. laid back. 
I mean, he got a, he got a bad rap in WWE. I mean, I know there were some comments about Enzo, and they had a big blowout with that. And I was the first time we brought him in. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how this guy's going to be. He might be really a prima donna to to yeah. work for. Him. He might be a real pain in the ass. Yeah. And because uh, we've had that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag God rest his soul, Vader. That wasn't even a PPW show, but uh, that's oh, not God. even <laughs> that wasn't the show you were at, Phil. Yeah, that's a story for the archives. Uh, at yeah, some point. that disaster arena oh, with sixty-four people. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean he was just the opposite. Super approachable, super easy to deal with. You know, help yeah. the younger guys out, watch the matches. Zero headaches both times. That's why we booked them again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, met the fans. The fans loved them, and, and just an all-around nice guy. I mean, like, like you know, I say that a lot. Nice guy and. You know, I don't use that term very loosely. It's just that you meet so many people in wrestling in every avenues of life, every avenue of life. And, you know, sometimes the nice people get outweighed by the nasty people. I give everybody a bad name. But Simon Gotch, I mean, like I said, like Alex said, you know, just just a just a good good guy, easy to work with. Would do whatever you ask him to do. You were paying. I like to use the uh, Doctor Frank term. He's a he's a first class guy. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> think. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you said Doctor Frank. I was thinking thick. Oh, Doctor Frank is the thickest. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Well, guys, the matches you can expect is a technical you know, you notice one. Notice how, how Phil just no sells us on that every he time. He really does. Yeah. <laughs> Both men cautiously move forward with offense. Somebody has got to take control of this podcast, gentlemen. Very Stop even the rails. Match, very even match, guys. Uh, gotcha, someone we brought in who's a smaller name, but the crowd seems to be good with him. Uh, you can tell the crowd much more with Sean Carr in this one, though. They want Sean Carr to win this match. The match will open up in the middle of it. The crowd will get into the match a little bit more, and you can really see the technical skill by Simon Gotch and just how crisp his moves are. You can see this from WWE workers a lot, just how fast and how crisp. And The crowd appreciates the match. These two are putting on, and Simon Gotch is Sean Carr in a way where we don't normally see Sean Carr, which is completely helpless. Uh, the, the crowd will start getting behind Carr, and that will motivate Carr to eventually get himself back into the match. The The end will see Carr get Gotch in a rolling senton, goes to the moonsault, but no water in the pool, as Paul Bo calls. And Carr will land on his feet only to have Gotch turn around and step right into a Sean Carr super kick. Alex, a big win here that we're giving Sean Carr. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, us putting the ball in Sean Carr's uh, court. We're we're really getting behind him. He's really hitting his stride, and uh, this this is a major opportunity for him. And he did. He took it very seriously, and uh, he you know he he met all expectations in my opinion. And we would, as we discussed last week, we would know what comes for Sean Carr in the following month. Well, Paul, it's become something that I ask you every episode, and uh, I'm going to ask you this again. Uh, was this show a success? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it really did well. Um, Rosa and Simon Gotch did very well at the merch table. We did a little combo where you got both of them. You know, brother discount, brother, brother discount. <laughs> package the gimmick. You know, package that big gimmick. So we did a little combination, and uh, just so all the – Pervs didn't just go to Rosa. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
but no, no, they did very well together. They sat, you know, we sat at the same time. We did a combination thing, and we did very well on the meet and greet with two, you know, with the two names. So, no, the show was definitely a success. Smaller venue, like you said, smaller crowd. Everything was good. The matches were really, really – some of the matches at the YMCA shows are some of my favorite ever on PBW um, because I just think the atmosphere being – excuse me, being a smaller venue – the crowd magnifies the crowd so much. Yep. Alex, your thoughts on uh, PPW Showtime overall? Uh, overall, great show. And I think uh, this is the first time we've really kind of had a match in the multi-woman multi match where we kind of agreed that it didn't pan out the best. But regardless of one or two not so great occurrences in a show. You can still have an overall great show with great memories. And this is a testament to that. I'm very excited to say that this is one of my favorite PPW shows. And I think too, Alex, as you just said, you just hit the nail on the head in closing. there, saying memories. And I think that's what this podcast is about. A lot of memories that we had over the last, you know, I mean, PPW spanned six years yeah. before the pandemic hit. And, you know, I mean, you guys were around for a lot of that. Some of the, you know, obviously the earlier stuff you weren't, but just the whole PPW library, you can check any of it out on YouTube and most of it's there. And like I said, Scott and Mitch and Tyler, they did a great job setting up that YouTube channel for mm -hmm. everybody to view. And, you know, the high voltage show that still runs on WYLN, you know, we're getting set to, I talked to my brother the other day, Alex, I know I told you about the open. Oh, we're yeah. going to do a uh, second season of PPW. Um, best of until we start going and we'll kind of like debut that hoping to do it maybe around the first week of April. That way we can get, you know, maybe three or four shows in the can of doing the opens that we can, I like that. Um, you know, Alex can kind of work on them at his, his leisure, but it's all about memories and remembering where you were at that day and how you felt usually tired after the show. Um, but <laughs> for some and, reason dehydrated, the, that's the the major consensus among people that go to a uh, not that show, but the Holy Family Academy is for some reason by the time you leave, you're dehydrated. Have you experienced that? Well, that I, I never drink anything. I mean, and Phil has soda sitting on the table, so usually when I have my mouth's dry, I'm usually grabbing one of his sodas, which is never good. But um, <laughs> as you can see, he's not a picture of health, and either am I. So. Um, <laughs> Well, guys, we're almost off this one. We're almost out the door. I wanted to bring up one more thing because PPW has a really, really good luxury of not having to move the ring and move the U-Haul thing. And I just wanted to point out a couple of the people that are really kind of unsung heroes here, Alex. I mean, we got, you know, EJ Kuiper, who who helps out with the with the ring crew, and he's the unofficial ring crew, uh, well, the official uh, ring crew um, manager, I guess, so to yeah, speak. Like the, the to yeah, like the leader. Yeah. We've definitely I mean, got to have the guy who directs the crew because otherwise it's just chaos. Yeah, e EJ EJ does a great job. Even Tyler uh, at the uh, – Tyler Birdman, even at his size, uh, will pick up stuff and move stuff. Mitch uh, – stuff. I know Paul's going to want to uh, highlight Demas, who has done so much for us. Um, so I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to the uh, the unsung heroes here of, of PPW in terms of the of the ring crew. Paul, I, I just mentioned Demas, how much he does for us, and and EJ's the manager of the ring crew. They, they were working hard and they were working overtime here in this one, loading a ring up and then putting it all back all after the show in the same night. Yeah, I mean Demas Demas does a ton of stuff for us. Um, EJ, like you said. Um, 
There also was two guys, I can't remember who they were. They did the seminar, but they hung out after the show to help clean up. Yep. Um, two wrestlers yep. that we got. Um, I think that was this show at the Y. It was definitely a YMCA show. Um, but um, Justin does a lot for us, too. Um, Isaac Roll, he would do a lot with the ring crew, mm-hmm. um, help out. You know, yep. some of the younger guy getting his start. Jose you know, was yeah. always good with that, too. Jose, excellent. Shane, when he was Shane, here, was awesome. Good. Mitch, I mean, I mean, Mitch does it all from interviews to to ring crew to whatever you ask that kid to do, he'll do. I'll back that up. Um, And then how could I forget Freddie? I mean, you know, he loads the truck, unloads the truck. (laughs) I I would say that uh, not this show, but even Adina Steele would be somebody that would hang out and help out. Yep, I remember that when she was trying to get on there. Yep. Yeah, not, not afraid to get her hands dirty. You, well, know guys, what, uh, you know what yeah. we need to do, Phil, on this show, on future What's shows? What's up? As my computer just beeped, I have 7% battery left. Um, <laughs> is my plugs upstairs. I'd love to have a love-hate section of PPW. Something you loved about the show, something you hate oh, about great. the show. Okay. I think that would be pretty cool. Like for me, I hate Jeff Carden. <laughs> I, hate, <laughs> I hate Phil Bravado and Scott Fineout. Um, I hate anything big. I love Freddie, as you can tell. I don't like EJ. Um, I, I love Alex because he's thick. Um, thick. Um, I don't like the penguin. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> Nobody. Um, but no, seriously, with the matches, I mean, hey, I love you know, love or hate the match. I think that'd be pretty cool. And 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 as as far as the show on a whole, in, in closing up with me, because I'm rambling off the rails of a crazy train here, I rate this probably a B plus show. And only because not getting an A, I'm gonna say because of the venue, it was a little smaller, but that I think worked in its advantage in some points. But um, I was really happy with it. What are we doing next week? That's my question. Ooh. Uh, I don't know yet. We haven't figured that out yet. Way to be prepared, host. Well, you know, I got 13 pages of notes over here. I give you guys what I'm going to talk about. I mean, I can Did only he? do Did so he? much. Did he, Alex? I yeah. mean, some of it's a little miscombobulated. But you know what? I quit. I quit. I'm done with this. I'm not having fun anymore. I'm just going to say done. for the audience to know that in the notes, in two different sections, he asked me about Becky Phillips. But good thing he caught himself and didn't ask me the second time. Man, one well, o'clock in the morning is not good for doing these <laughs> no- notes. Also, also oh Paul shit, Papa! <laughs> gone. Wow, we get also, also, and then a circle spin of Paul Bo's computer crashing. He's like, "Thank God, thank God." Um, but Alex, seriously, we'll, we'll close up the show here. But uh, uh, just yeah. get, uh, get get your the, the plugs out for you because man, Paul Bo's seven percent wouldn't have lasted. How much stuff you're on here? Uh, yeah, I am doing. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, the Moran and Friends podcast over on the HTW Podcast Network. Um, we've got some backlogs of hitting the mat. We'll be starting that again soon. And uh, high tension wellness, that's another thing where me, this chubby guy, is going to tell you about health and fitness. Can you believe it? Uh, (laughs) We have a couple other podcasts in development, and I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm very excited about continuing this show. It's a lot of fun spending my mornings with you guys. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. you're You're also on some other shows. You're also doing some other stuff, right? Yeah, so Camp Leapfrog, uh, we're doing Camp Leapfrog Camper's Choice March 20th at 6 p.m. on the Independent Wrestling Facebook page. 
Excellent. We'll be sure to check that out. And uh, for Paul Bowe's comments, uh, I think he's on uh, Web Weekly. Uh, you'll be yep, able to here find he is. him. And here comes Paul Bowe. Second, second show in a row that the laptop died. I did go Honestly, honestly just in time, as I didn't even have to. I mean, if you would have heard what I said two seconds before you came in, I, I wouldn't even have to stop. I was like, yeah, and for Paul Bowe's plugs, and then here you are. So uh, get, get your plugs out. All right. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> Where can we see you? Anywhere. Webweeklylive.com, Hoopers Only TV. Um, last night I worked for St. John Newman Regional Academy Hoops. Um, tomorrow night I am working for the Loyal Sox School District. And you can catch all our games on webweeklylive.com. The best in high school sports. It's March Madness season. It's absolutely unbelievable, baby. <laughs> and, uh, as always, Paul Bo is King Kong, right? Absolutely. King I'm always, Kong. I drank that whole energy drink. I'm King Kong and King Kong energy drink. You can get that coming to stores. It's been approved at Amazon. So it's going to be for sale soon. Uh, one thing before we close this little duck, Alex or mallard, whatever this thing is. <laughs> A mallard, he says. Whatever that thing is in the corner, steam yard. Yeah. Hung, definitely. <laughs> Not even a doubt. And also, before duck. I go, nobody can see this. Let me just show you, buddy. Oh, Representing yeah. Camp Leapfrog, I got your shirt on. There hey. it is. Frog, there it look is. at that little thing there. See that? Paul Bo's an official can camp. Right down there. <laughs> just the two hanging. Well, that's <laughs> thick. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, this show has went off the rails. I don't know what we're going to be doing next week. Who knows? Um, we'll figure it out. But until then, Paul and, and Alex, thanks a lot for for, uh, for getting this done. And Paul, seriously, every week, uh, thanks for doing this. I mean, people can't see you're 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 doing double shift here. You're you're, you're doing a podcast and you're and you're working and you're on your phone. And my God, I feel like I'm talking to a teenager. Okay, well, anyway, uh, I had to pee twice. <laughs> well, now I don't feel like I'm talking. <laughs> oh my God! All right. Well, anyway, guys, this is uh, this has been PPW Unplugged, and until next week. Uh, We'll catch you then.